0: I'm Dr. Judy, and welcome to Supercharge Life, where I help you discover new ways to create success, wellness, and fulfillment, and give you tangible tools to supercharge your life. So, welcome back, guys, to 2021! Happy New Year! I'm so happy to be back with you after our two-week break over the holidays. What's the New Year bring for you? For many of us, I'm sure, New Year resolutions are part of the tradition. Maybe you want to eat better, exercise more, cut out a bad habit, reach your career goals and cultivate better relationships in your life. And you probably believe that New Year resolutions are the way to get some real traction on these goals, right? Well, guess what? I haven't made a New Year resolution in 10 years. And I'm not saying that I don't think New Year resolutions have value. And certainly I do make goals all throughout the year. And this episode is all about hacking new year resolutions to make sure they finally work for you this year. Here's one of the reasons I don't make New Year resolutions. The research says that they overwhelmingly don't work. About 60% of us make New Year resolutions and only 8% of people ever meet them according to a study. Most people abandon them by mid-February. And I know you know what I'm talking about. When you sign up for that gym membership and then a month later, the gym is empty. So you went from waiting for your cardio machines and having this packed gym on the first two weeks of January to basically basically a ghost town a month later, and this happens almost every year. So why do we keep doing this to ourselves? Well, it turns out there's a long history behind our resolution setting. Some 4,000 years ago, Babylonians reigned in their New Year with an 11-day festival, and this was the origin of making New Year resolutions. They made promises to the gods in hopes that they'd earn good favor for the coming year, and one of their most common New Year resolutions was to get out of debt. Similar practices occurred in ancient Rome, January had a specific significance, and Romans often made promises of good conduct for the coming year. And for early Christians, the first day of the New Year became the traditional occasion for thinking about one's past mistakes and resolving to do and be better in the future. So in modern times, the concept of creating New Year resolutions is so ingrained in U.S. culture that the government even has a list of popular resolutions and resources for achieving them. It's really a baker's dozen of good intentions like drink less alcohol, eat healthy food, get a better education, get a better job, get fit, manage debt, manage stress, and recycle. Just this year, a poll was conducted with the top resolutions for 2020. And among the list, actually sticking to the resolution was the number one goal. And this survey gathered the opinion of almost 275 Thousand Americans. And as I mentioned, number one on the list actually doing the New Year resolution. Number two was trying something new. Number three is eat more of my favorite foods. Number four is lose weight or diet. Number five is go to the gym. Number six is to have better mental health. And number seven is to be more healthy. And number eight is being a better person. So maybe your New Year's resolution is in there too. But despite our best intentions, why can't we seem to keep the resolutions when we so desperately want to improve ourselves and our lives? In a recent life hack article, the authors listed the top 10 reasons why New Year resolutions fail. And I just wanted to mention the top four that I think are really important for us to think about. The first one is that we're treating marathons like a sprint. We're trying to get to the finish line, to the outcome, to the goal as quickly as possible. The second one is maybe you don't believe in yourself and that negative self-talk starts to hold you back from actually reaching your goals. Number three, perhaps you don't have social support or external accountability. And number four, you know your what, but you don't know your why. So here's the thing. We don't want to abandon the idea of reaching our goals. So what can we do to set ourselves up to succeed once and for all this year? Well, I've got the secret for you, and it is called psychological flexibility. This is one of my favorite concepts. It's taken from acceptance and commitment therapy. And the overarching goal of ACT is to increase the skill of psychological flexibility Psychological flexibility is the ability to stay in contact with the present moment, regardless of the unpleasant thoughts and feelings and bodily sensations that come up while choosing one's actions based on the situation and your personal values. A lot of studies have shown that psychological flexibility is associated with quality of life and mental well-being And when you're feeling depressed and anxious, it can also help to reduce those symptoms. And it's important to clarify that psychological flexibility is not a state of happiness or ease, but it's more of this ability to flexibly navigate through changing demands of life and also when difficult thoughts and feelings arise. I really love this quote by Cashin and Rottenberg. They said, a healthy person is someone who can manage themselves In the uncertain, unpredictable world around them, where novelty and change are the norm rather than the exception. And I know you guys all feel this one, especially after coming off the heels of 2020, where we had no answers, everything was constantly changing, and we were all trying to get used to this new normal. So, We are here in 2021, and if you're ready to tackle this new year and really make new year resolutions that work, you're going to learn psychological flexibility today and actually achieve your goals this year. Let's tackle some of the best questions I got on social media so that we can all make this the best year ever. Many of you reached out to me with your questions about how to follow through on your new year resolutions, and I wanted to let you guys know that even though I don't make New Year resolutions, I did make a big goal for myself. And this is one that I have made over and over again, and I have just never gotten to the finish line. So I'm going to be in it with you guys this year. And my goal is to finally be proficient in Spanish. I started to learn Spanish when I was in high school. I took three years of Spanish. I had some minimal levels of proficiency. Every time I go to a Spanish speaking country, by the time I come back, I feel so good about myself because I've practiced my Spanish. Then I always resolve that I'm going to finally listen to those audio tapes and really finally get my Spanish down. And inevitably after a few weeks, I end up giving up on it because it's hard to learn a new language, especially as an adult. And I think that I probably have some thoughts holding me back about how challenging that is. Well, this year I'm committing to getting to a level of conversational proficiency by June of this year, but it might surprise you that I didn't start this goal on January 1st of 2021. I actually made it back in December of last year. And that is gonna be one of the lessons that we talk about is do we really always have to start new year resolutions on January 1st? No, I don't think so. And I think that that also contributes sometimes to us getting stuck because then when we make a mistake, it feels like, oh, my gosh, I blew this entire year. And it's sometimes harder to get back on the wagon when you tie it to the beginning of a year as if it's a completely new start, when really the person you were on December 31st of 2020 is the same person you probably are on January 1st of 2021. So that's my new year resolution. And I would love to now bring in my wonderful producer, Stephanie, and also my fantastic sound engineer, Jackson. They're going to be helping us answer some of your questions. And also, I want to know what their new year resolutions are this year. So Stephanie, what's your new year resolution this year?
2: Hi, Dr. Judy. Happy new year. Um, So my resolution is not the typical (laughs) resolution of like losing weight or working out. Um. And I had to figure out exactly what this means. But my resolution is to spend more focused time with my kids. Mm. My kids are always around. I'm driving them around. I'm with them. But there's a difference, I think, between being like very focused. So that's my New Year's resolution.
0: I love that. That's definitely off the beaten path New Year resolution that's really important to to make. I think all of us are starting to learn how important quality time really is. And it's the quality of the connections that you have, not how many connections you have. So I I really like that New Year resolution. Hi, Jackson. Happy New Year. What's your New Year resolution?
1: Happy New Year's. I feel like I fall in the same trap of like doing the same resolution every year, (laughs) but 2020 kind of messed with some of my thoughts, but this year I want to write more. I've always been like an avid writer and I write a lot of poetry, but every year I'm like, oh, I want to do a poem a week. And I Mm. just, by the first month I fall flat. So I want to actually stick to it this time and see what happens.
0: Oh, I love that. I would love to see your collection of poems at the end of the year. That sounds like such a great way to be creative and just hone a skill that it sounds like you're really interested in doing. So I I think that that's wonderful. I have a lot of ideas for you guys on how you guys are going to meet those goals this year, but let's go ahead and take some questions now and then we'll circle back and see if maybe some of these conversations are piquing your own curiosity about trying out some of these newer techniques that maybe you haven't heard before that will make your new year resolutions more achievable this year. Does that sound good? Yes. Sounds great. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, what's the first question, Stephanie? So the first
2: question is from Allison on Facebook. And she said, I make the same new year resolution every year, which is to work out daily. And every year I fall flat on my fitness goals within a few weeks, especially now when I'm pulled in so many directions and home
0: most of the time. What can I do to make this a reality for me? Well, this is a common problem. And as we mentioned, fitness goals are one of the most popular new year resolution goals that people make. And yet everybody sort of has that same idea. Again, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And sometimes people get really upset with themselves when after a couple of weeks, the habit doesn't seem to stick. But did you guys know that it takes three to five weeks before a habit really feels routine? So you got to give yourself some time and it's okay that you start small and then gradually titrate up. We have a lot of different strategies on how we can lock in different types of fitness goals once and for all. And one of the most important things is that you start small, but that you start daily. And so sometimes people want to just go crazy and they they say, well, every day I'm going to run for an hour and then I'm going to lift weights for another 30 to 45 minutes. Well, that's not going to be sustainable for most people with their schedules. And so it's actually more important for Allison to maybe start with just 20 minutes of exercise a day. And it can be different types of activities. It could be walking. It could be running. It could be weight training. It could be taking an online class, whatever she wants to do. And then if that goes well for a week, then the next week, bump it up to 25 minutes a day and then 30 minutes a day. And also remember this 80-20 rule, and this is a little bit different from the 80-20 rule that might be out there um, in popular culture, but my 80-20 rule is that you really only have to meet your goal 80% of the time. So if you set a goal for yourself that every single day you're going to do something for 20 minutes, if one day you skip that's totally fine. You still met that 80-20 bar. You still did the goal six out of seven days. Even if you do the goal five out of seven days, that's close enough to 80%. So I think that people need to have a little bit of flexibility with themselves and also start smaller, but make it a daily habit so that in the three to five weeks, it's going to start feeling much more regular for you. So good luck with that, Allison. I really hope that you finally reached that goal this year. Jackson, what's our next question?
1: The next question comes from Clarissa from Facebook. She says, my new year resolution is to cut toxic people out of my life. Any tips on how to do this?
0: I feel like this is actually one of the more popular new year resolutions I've heard recently. And I think it's because toxic people can drain your energy and they can become really exhausting and take away your ability to do the things that you need to do for your life and to hold good boundaries. And so An important part of this is to start understanding what toxicity is for you. Not everybody defines it the same way, but one of the most common definitions that I've come across is that these people who are toxic are overly negative, extremely critical, cut you down for no reason, and might be what we call emotional vampires, which means that They're constantly coming to you for help and support, but they don't really offer any help and support back. So then you start to tire of that relationship and grow to have resentment. So once you decide what it really means for someone to be toxic in your life, you don't necessarily have to cut them out. Completely, especially if they are connected to your family or other really good friends, or maybe it's not that practical to cut them out completely. The first thing is just to institute better boundaries. And so your new year resolution could just be that you give less of yourself, whether it's time or your energy to these toxic people, and you need to probably create a certain bar for yourself, like whenever this person calls, we're having a 20 minute max conversation, or I will only talk to this person once by phone per week. It doesn't have to be a complete all or none if that feels hard to do. But if you do decide that you want to cut this person out completely, it's also your decision. If you would like to just sort of phase them out of your life, start talking to them less and less. And when they call, you can get back to them, but kind of on your own time, Or you can actually have a conversation with them and just say, listen, I really think that it's been hard for us to be friends lately. I still want the best for you, um, but I don't think that it's a good idea for us to talk for a little while. I don't think that you ever have to make something forever because I think that's what gets people stuck is that they have this very black and white idea of what it means to achieve a goal or what it means to have a new resolution and even with cutting toxic people out. And obviously, it's a lot harder to do it that way because human beings, we don't really do well with these ideas of cutting somebody out forever or having to have that dreaded conversation if they resurface and say, why haven't you talked to me? And so I would invite Clarissa to think about these other creative ways of how to reduce the impact of toxic people in your life. And then to think about all of these different ways in which you can start to feel better about your relationships that might not involve just a complete ice out or Having that dreaded conversation of, hi, I don't want to be your friend anymore forever and always. I don't think that that's necessary. So I hope I've given you some ideas, Clarissa, on how to tackle this problem.
2: Great. Okay. The next question is from Grace on Instagram. She said, I want to cut out junk food, but inevitably I will eat chips cake, whatever is in front of me. And then I just give up. I always tell myself I'll start over again the next week.
0: Then the same pattern happens again. Help. Well, Grace, you are not alone. A lot of people have difficulty with cutting out junk food and wanting to eat healthier. And I think that we are sometimes mindlessly eating. So one of the first things is to try to set up a more mindful routine for times in which you're going to snack. So you definitely wanna make sure that you take a breath, be mindful before you make a choice. And it's not about cutting all foods out of your diet because that's not sustainable. In the world of psychological flexibility, mindfulness is one of the key skills that you have to work on. And I think it applies to a lot of different things, including healthier eating. So don't just eat whatever's in front of you and then just eat a ton of it when you realize, oh, man, I didn't get to meet my New Year resolution the way I wanted to, and it's all blown, so I'll go ahead and eat three cupcakes instead of just one, right? If you're going to eat one cupcake, really take the time to savor it, make a whole routine out of it, put out a placemat, you know, use pretty napkins, have fun with it, and really enjoy that moment. When people have also made a mistake in their diet, what happens is they'll say, okay, forget it. I'll just start over next week. But then you get that same buildup where, okay, then everything is all resting on when I restart this program. And then when I make another mistake, then everything's gone again and I've ruined everything. So I think it's really about making mindful decisions in the moment. At any moment, you can choose to pivot and start to make healthier decisions again. So you had your cupcake, you've enjoyed it. You didn't completely blow your diet, even if you didn't plan on eating that cupcake today. And then the next meal, even if it's on the same day, you can start going back to your healthier eating again. You don't have to wait until the week later to start it. So I think that that's a big thing here. Let's not keep tying things to a specific date or a specific week or next month. Let's be mindful in our decision making around our goals and then restart them whenever you've fallen off the wagon, whenever you'd like.
1: So the next question comes from Lisa on Instagram. They say, I want to teach my kids how to set and reach new year resolutions, but I am horrible example. Haven't really finished most of mine since I've been setting them. Any tips?
0: Lisa, what a great question. I love that you're trying to teach your kids on how to set goals. I think that's a really important skill set that they can use for the rest of their life. And it's okay that you've made some mistakes. In fact, I think kids like to see their parents are human, that they make mistakes too. And you can even share that frustration with your children. But one of the best ways I think to make goals and to have kids understand them is to make what we call SMART goals. And this is an acronym that is really helpful in making goals that are realistic and achievable. And so each of the letters stands for something. So when you Create a goal, check it to see if it's a SMART goal. So S stands for specific. Really make sure that the goal itself is pretty narrow and that it's very well-defined. M is measurable. So that means that the goal is observable and can be seen by somebody else and somebody else can even verify that you've reached that goal. So that's a really important part of goal setting is, is making sure that you actually have a way to measure your success and to know when you've gotten there. And A is assignable. And that means that the goal is assignable to somebody and maybe a secondary person too. If they're going to be that accountability buddy for the first person to help keep them on track, make sure that the goal spells out specifically who is involved. R is realistic, is a goal truly realistic. I think a lot of times people make these new resolutions that are just so out there and so huge, no wonder why you lose motivation a few weeks in. So let's start with making more of like a medium level goal, something that's challenging, but you feel pretty confident that you're gonna get there if you work hard. And once you reach that goal, you can always make another one. So think of them as almost steps up a ladder. So the first goal can just be that first step instead of getting all the way. Way to the top. And finally, T stands for time limited. Make sure you give yourself a defined time frame to meet that goal. So for me, I am planning on trying to make sure that I get to a conversational level of proficiency in Spanish by June. So I'm giving myself a little bit over six months because remember, I did start this goal in December. So I'm going to have a bit more than six months to allow myself to get to this goal. And That's a really important piece of it, too, because you need to know when you're going to get to evaluate whether or not you've met the goal and if you need to restructure the goal in a different way. Good luck with that. I hope that your kids will find that helpful. And you can even put the acronym SMART on a refrigerator or on their door in their room so that they can be reminded that this is the way that they should achieve and meet goals and make them in the first place.
2: That's so cool, I love that. Okay, so this next question is from Mila from Facebook. I feel like I'm always comparing myself to other people with New Year's resolutions. We have a group text to try to keep each other motivated, but I actually get more bummed out when I see other people doing better than me. What should I do? And I think that's so funny because this idea of accountability is so helpful unless you turn it against yourself
0: and then start to feel like a failure compared to other people. Totally. Mila, we're all social creatures and we all need that social support and we need to feel like we belong. But one of the concepts in psychological flexibility is this idea of values and how everybody's values are so personal and so individual to ourselves. And in this world where it's so easy to compare, you look at social media and you look at, look at everybody else's highlight reels. And you think, oh my gosh, I don't measure up. The The problem is we don't ask ourselves enough. Is this a goal that I truly want? Or is this some bucket list item that I adopted from my friend or my family member or what I think society wants from me? And that's why I'm trying to commit to it. And when you have a goal that isn't rooted in your own values, you're much more likely to fall prey to this whole comparison trap where you look at other people and you think, man, there's so much further than I was. And how come I'm not there? And at the same time, I don't even feel that motivated by this goal. What's wrong with me? And you can see the cascade of self-defeating thoughts that can occur. So the first thing, Mila, is to remember that you should be focusing on the process and not the comparisons. Think about how you're doing today compared to how you were doing yesterday. And really think about your why. As I mentioned earlier, people know their what, but they don't know their why. So really revisit your top values. These are things that you can't check off the list. These are things that you want your life to stand for, how you want to be remembered when your time on earth is up. You know, what do you want people to be saying about you? Do you want people to be saying Mila was an adventurous person? She was a person who loved her family. She was a person who was adventurous. Well, you can't just check adventurous off a list. You know, if you are somebody whose value is being adventurous, you're always going to want to be doing things that give you that sense of adventurousness in your life. And so really make sure that whatever goal you have for yourself lines up with your top values and then really focus on the process. Compare yourself with where you were yesterday or where you were last week and then make adjustments from there. And this is where you do have to shut out those comparisons because everybody is on their own journey because everybody's values are completely different. Even if you have the same value as somebody else, they will choose to live that value out differently because of their personality and their experiences and their past. So there literally is no comparison that makes sense that is a true one-to-one. So try to give that up this year, Mila. I want that to be your secondary new year resolution.
1: Great. And the next question comes from Tristan on Instagram. They say, I find that I have a very all or none approach to New Year's resolutions. If I make a mistake, I get very discouraged and give up entirely. I totally relate to that. It happens every year and I beat myself up mentally for this. What can I do to regain confidence?
0: Good question, Tristan, and I feel like a lot of people have this all or none approach. And it is really self-defeating when you think, oh, man, it's only January 20th, and I've already fallen off track. And I think we have to start expecting that mistakes are going to happen. I think that we have to start expecting failure. If you feel like you're not going to fail and that this is finally going to be the year that you make no mistakes, then that's the mistake that you've made because we all make mistakes. We all are going to fail on our way to success. I've said this many times. uh, Failure is the mother to success. You, You do need to just accept that that's going to be part of the journey. But instead of calling it failure, try to see them as learning experiences. Every time I make a mistake, every time I fail, If I really step back from my emotions, and of course it hurts at first and it's self-defeating, there's always a lesson to be learned. Why did I make this mistake? Why did I fail in this way? What's wrong with the way I'm approaching this goal? Maybe there's something that I need to revisit or retool. So anytime that you do have one of these experiences, think about it as a way to learn. And I think when we talk about, again, the psychological flexibility concept and act, There's a lot of different skill sets that you work on to be able to withstand these types of negative feelings and emotions and be able to basically weather the storm and keep getting back up instead of just completely give up on it. And this idea of being willing to feel difficult emotions and forge forward despite them is the act process of acceptance versus avoidance. So accept that we are all human beings, we're all gonna make mistakes, we're all gonna fail instead of avoiding the goal completely and ditching it, ask yourself, what can I learn from this? And get back up, but give yourself a little time. That's also part of the acceptance. So if you don't wanna get back up that day and you wanna give yourself a day or two to really think about what happened and then to maybe revisit your goal, maybe make it a SMART goal, maybe try to change the way that you approach it, that's fine too. But really work on this idea of accepting that this is part of the process and not feeling like you have to completely give up and throw the baby out with the bathwater the moment that you make a mistake. Good luck with that. Great, the next question
2: is from Brian from Instagram. I would love to start cutting down on my screen time. I get bleary-eyed from spending so much time on Reddits and other forums, but it's also
0: addicting. Any tips on how to make this a New Year's resolution I can keep? I love that goal by the way. And I totally relate because sometimes when I get really interested in a topic. Uh, this happens a lot when I start to watch new film or a new TV series. I love to Google and look at all the blogs about it, all the articles about it. And then before I know it, I've spent an hour doing that. And I do get kind of bleary eyed. So I totally relate to Brian's question here. And I think part of it is really understanding for yourself what value it's providing in your life. Um, I think sometimes people do this because maybe it's an easy escape from other things that they have to do. It's a great way to procrastinate, if anything. Uh, because you'll do this and you kind of feel productive. You kind of feel like you're learning, but before you know it, three hours have passed and now you're exhausted. And so I would say that in general, that you want to keep it really contained in terms of how much time you're allowing yourself to do this. And if you really do enjoy it to a point, do a little self-study for yourself and see how long it takes before you actually get that whole bleary eyed, exhausted feeling. For most people, I would say it's under an hour. Right. So once you know what that ideal time frame is, allow yourself to do that as a treat, almost like a treat at the end of a day. Once you've gotten certain things off your list, you can kind of tie it to certain things that you definitely have to do that day. sort of your must do's on your to do list. Once you've done that, then you can take a little break and do sort of the Reddit scrolling or the forum or article scoring. And I think that it's okay to do that as long as you've gotten other things out of the way that are more things that you must do these must-dos on your to-do list, and then you also set a time frame for how long you will allow yourself to do it. And for everybody, their window is different. Some people will do this for 20 minutes and they already feel exhausted. Other people really enjoy it for the first 40 minutes or an hour, and then they start to get bleary-eyed. So really understand what your timeframe is, and then working backwards from there, set it up as a mini reward that you can give yourself at the end of the day, instead of just allowing yourself to do it whenever, and then having that wreck your whole day and make you feel bad about yourself.
1: I love that one. Um, Tommy from Instagram, they say my New Year's resolution is to get a better job, one where I can see a path to progress and feel more fulfilled. But I have been very demotivated throughout the pandemic. And I feel like my willpower is very weak. How can I get back on track? Great
0: question, Tommy. And I think a lot of people are thinking about reinvention right now and how they can set themselves up for a different career. Some people are losing jobs and trying to get new ones. So I think this is a very relatable question. And Tommy, I think it's important that you understand that you're not alone. Everybody feels more demotivated and less productive in the past months, and everybody's trying to find new ways to be productive. And willpower is an interesting thing. Willpower is, no matter what, even if you're a morning person, night person, doesn't matter, what we know from biology is that most people feel most alert in the morning after a good night's rest, and that generally your willpower is stronger earlier in the day than it is towards the end of the day. And it doesn't mean that you don't get a second wind. A lot of people also experience that. And I certainly have experienced that as well. But I do realize that if I put my most tough task in the morning, I really do work faster and I get it done quicker. And that's because willpower does degrade over the day. It's sort of like an energy store. It's not infinite. So as you make more decisions, as you've had to deal with more difficult feelings and emotions and thoughts, that willpower will start to weaken and you kind of start forgetting why this is so important to you. So I think a great way to kick off your new year is to just write down three things every morning that you would like to do to move towards this goal of having a better career and every day, those three things can change. They can be smaller things on some days and maybe slightly bigger things on other days. It could just be look at the opportunities that are available on monster.com. That could be one of those three things. Number two could be reach out to three people in my network on LinkedIn and introduce myself, right? And have those three things at the top of your to-do list in the morning and just make sure that you get to them in the first two hours. It's really important that you commit to doing those things that might cause you more difficulty as the day goes on. I, again, have this experience all the time where. There are things that really take my focus and concentration. I think that maybe I can do it in the evening after I take a break after dinner. And I'm always so much slower. And I feel like I'm dragging doing it late at night versus early in the morning. So try to set up this routine for yourself and make it more feasible to meet them by having three goals of small to medium levels of difficulty every single day in the morning that carries you towards this bigger goal of achieving a better career. So hopefully we get an update from you, Tommy. Good luck with that. So we've gotten to a good number of questions today. I know there were lots more and I'm sorry we couldn't answer all of them, but... I do want listeners to keep DMing me with your questions because we will try to answer them on a future episode. But now I want to go back to Jackson and Stephanie. I wanted to know if through these conversations, you've maybe had some ideas of maybe one tip that you'd like to try out to try to meet your new year resolution this year in a different way. So Jackson, why don't we start with you? Because you mentioned that this writing goal has been one of yours for a long time. And I heard that you definitely um, really resonated with one of our listeners when they said, I have this really all or none approach. And then once I fall off the wagon, it's hard to get back on. So do you have any thoughts or ideas of how you might do it differently this year?
1: Yeah, no, I definitely I think it was Tristan. They said they get very discouraged easily. And I totally feel that I think the biggest I know you mentioned earlier, just taking 20 minutes at a time, we're just doing like the short little segments. And I think that's the problem I get to is I wait around for this moment to happen and be like, oh, that moment will come now I'm going to write, but rather just take the time to actually sit down and do it just for 20 minutes, no matter what happens, it's still writing. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think I wait around for this masterpiece to come to me rather than just beginning.
0: I, I think you're so right about that. And I think that's the um, very common problem that I hear from people with creative souls and creative spirits and minds. They they basically say, well, when inspiration hits me, then I'm gonna be so productive and, and write this amazing masterpiece, like you said. But every single creative person that has maybe put out a bunch of works, people, very prolific, uh, creative people who maybe have published a dozen books. They always tell me, Oh no, if I waited for that, I would never finish any of these books. I I literally just have to tell myself from 10 to 12, I'm writing. And even if I'm just staring at a blank page for 10 minutes, um, during that two hour period or whatever, that's what I'm doing. And I think that the additional thing I would say, because I love your idea would just be to just set aside a time, um, each day to do that and and maybe test different times because maybe you'll like to do it in the morning or maybe you're more of that person who likes to do this at night, but then kind of just making it part of your routine that, okay, every day from seven to 7.30 at night, that's when I'm gonna try to sit down and do some writing and whatever comes, comes. And if I'm sitting at my desk, looking at my paper for a little bit, that's okay too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, yeah, for sure, thank you.
0: Awesome, great. Yeah. And I, I've been thinking about
2: so much over this because this idea of spending focused time with my kids is so important. And I can be very, you talked a lot about psychological flexibility. I can be very inflexible with myself about what that means and what that needs to look like. And so this idea of allowing myself to whatever I'm able to do, as long as I do it, that, even if it's a short amount of time, even if someday it's 15 minutes I can give instead of two hours, like That's okay. And being okay with that and being flexible in my approach and how I have this focus time, I think is going to free me up to be able to do it more often and more regularly than
0: being too rigid about the way I think about it. I so agree with you, Stephanie. I know that you have a psychological background as well in your training. And so I love having this conversation about psychological flexibility with you. And I think a part of what we're always thinking about when we think about act is this idea of values-based living. And one of my favorite things that I like to tell people is one way to make sure that these moments happen. And I love what you said about sometimes it's 10 minutes. Great. Then, then I still made contact with it. And that's really, that's really the true goal is that when you kind of think back on your day and you say, well, here are the top three things that I value. Here are my top three values. Did I do something, however small to honor them in this day? Right. And so some days you're going to say, wow, I spent three hours of focus time with my kids. That was incredible. And other days you'll say, you know, I did honor it today. I didn't have as much time. So it was only 10 minutes, but still I did honor it. And that means that I still made contact with one of my top values and people should feel good about that when they go to sleep and say, even though I didn't reach all of my goals on my to-do list, didn't check everything off. When I think back about my top three values for the day, I actually did something in service of them. And if you didn't, then recommit to it the next day, you know, okay, well, I didn't get to do that. So when might I get to do that the next day? Let me just kind of think ahead a little bit and try to plan out a time that I might be able to get a little bit more of that focus time with my kids and how I'll do it. So I love your idea. And that was just another suggestion in terms of how to keep yourself doing it, you know, every day that you want to. I love that. Thank you so much. That is really helpful. Really helpful. And it's so fun to get to revisit back with your goals because I don't know if you guys knew this, but I actually teach a principles of behavior learning class at my university to master students. And what's been really cool is seeing all of their self-management projects because that's one of the assignments that I give them is what do you want to improve on this year? And let's use these techniques that are scientific and evidence-based to try to put together a way to meet those goals. And it's been very rewarding for me to see people meet the challenges, retool how they're going to reach their goals, and at the end, be able to present, hey, I actually finally did get to meet this goal, or I'm part of the way there, but I'm definitely making progress. And it's really rewarding for me to see that. So I really hope that we can check back in with your New Year resolutions too later on this year to see how it's coming, and I will be accountable to you guys too. I'll tell you guys about my Spanish learning goal and uh, how that's going. <laughs> that's amazing. Great. Thank you for sticking around for all of this. I'm so glad that we got to these questions and also got to hear about Stephanie and Jackson's goals and also my goal for this year. Now I want to share today's supercharged secret with you guys, which is how to use psychological flexibility to meet all of your new year resolutions and all the goals in your life. The first tip is to build habits and set goals based on your values. You've heard us touch on this multiple times in this episode. This is the act process of values, orientation, and committed action. What this means is having a sense of the things that you value rather than just doing things because other people are doing them or because you think you should do them or any other kinds of external social pressures. When you know what your values are, you're going to have a deeper sense of meaning and self-directed purpose. And that means when things get tough, it will be easier for you to push forward anyway, even if you're not feeling so great about it. And having your own values is sort of like having a really strong sense of internal standards for why something is important to you and why you need to work hard towards it. The second tip is to be willing to feel difficult emotions and forge forward despite them. This is the act process of acceptance versus avoidance. It's really about how a lot of times as human beings, of course, nobody likes difficult feelings and emotions. And so when they come up, instead of realizing that they're transient and they can't really hurt us and they can't really have power over us unless we give it power we end up running away from it and that experiential avoidance takes us further and further away from the life that we want to live and so instead of trying to avoid pain What we should do instead is just accept that pain is inevitable in human life. And guess what? Pain is especially inevitable when you're making big goals for yourself. Think about all the big goals of anybody's life. Moving to a different part of the world to start a new job, Um, quitting an old job and starting a new one without knowing how that's going to turn out. Starting a new relationship, having children, getting a degree, increasing your training or skill sets. None of those experiences. Are 100% positive. You're obviously going to come up with challenges. And we need to be willing to accept that difficult emotions are just part of the formula if you want to achieve these big goals in life. So acceptance just means that you're opening up a sense of willingness to experience the emotions. It doesn't say that you have to like them, nobody likes difficult emotions, but just be willing to accept them as part of reality. And know that even despite not feeling your best, you can move forward and you can keep going towards your goals because you know, again, why they're important to you because you've done the values-based work that I mentioned in the first tip. The third tip is to step back from your thoughts and focus on the present. Wow. We get trapped in our thoughts a lot. You know, we'll be thinking about past mistakes. We'll be thinking about future disasters and catastrophes. And this is why the ACT process of cognitive diffusion versus cognitive fusion is so important to understand. When we say cognitive diffusion, we're saying that whenever a thought occurs, we immediately glom onto it and we think, okay, this thought is the truth, and now I'm gonna have to manage this thought and and everything that's gonna happen because I've had this thought. That's a very common way that we deal with our thinking. But cognitive diffusion says, I can have this thought, but I don't have to interact with it. I don't have to make it my reality for the rest of the day. I can kind of just let myself have this thought and move on with the rest of my day. One of the techniques that I teach my patients is to write a very difficult thought that they're having issues detangling themselves from on a Post-it. So just write that thought on a post-it and then just put it in your pocket, put it in your purse, put it in your desk drawer, whatever, somewhere that's kind of close by to you and then just go on with your day. It's really weird how powerful this technique is. The reason is the thought becomes externalized so it's not part of you anymore. It's on a piece of paper somewhere and it's in the external world. The second thing is whenever that thought comes back up to haunt you, you can just remind yourself, okay, well, I know this thought is there. I already wrote it down and it's in my pocket or it's in my desk drawer. And let's move on to the next thing I have to do. It's a really great way of letting go and again, diffusing from a difficult thought. So try that out and see if that helps you. The fourth tip is to focus on process and not comparisons. Mila asked a really good question about this. I keep comparing myself and I get it because it is so easy right now with social media and everybody's got their highlight reels up and you think, wow, how come I don't look like that in every picture? How come my life isn't like that? And really this taps into the act process of the observer self versus the conceptualized self. And that's the difference between perspective taking and being trapped in a more ego-based sense of yourself. So when you notice that you're comparing yourself to other people, it's because we all wanna belong. We all wanna feel good about ourselves and we're trying to use other people as a benchmark for that. But you know what? That is going to be a race you never win because that benchmark will just keep moving and it'll be in arbitrary directions and you're never gonna have a stable sense of self. So the most important thing is that you can take a step back and realize that true self-esteem comes from within. It shouldn't be affected every single day In such monumental ways by what other people are doing to you or what other people are doing in their lives without having anything to have to do with you. So, the important thing is just to step back from the situation and evaluate your progress and not the comparisons to another person. Everybody's journey truly is unique. So, think about how you're doing today versus how you were doing yesterday. Is there something I can improve upon based on that idea? And try that out every time you have the urge to compare yourself to somebody else. Think about comparing yourself to maybe your past and very recent past, two hours ago, yesterday, last week, and think about ways in which you can get better and make that process better. And the final tip is to savor your successes. This taps into an important act process, which is contact with the present moment. It is just as important to celebrate our successes as it is to Think back on maybe our mistakes and think about ways in which we can improve. So when you have a win, however small, really take the time to savor it. Just like I told you that it's important to accept and allow yourself to have and experience difficult emotions, it's also important to allow yourself to experience these positive emotions as well. So reward yourself for your small successes. Tell loved ones about them. Journal about how you felt when you achieved benchmarks you set for yourself and treat yourself when you reach these goals. We all need it. And it's totally good for you to be able to honor yourself in this way. Sometimes people feel like, well, I don't deserve it. I'm not there yet. I'm not at the finish line. But again, life is so much more about the process than it is about the eventual outcome. So savor the process. And whenever you do have a small win, really take the time to acknowledge it. Well, I hope this episode helped you guys out in terms of thinking of ways in which you can finally make New Year resolutions work for you. I'd love to hear from you about how your New Year resolutions are going. So DM me on Instagram at Dr. Judy Ho and follow me if you want to learn more and get more tips to supercharge your life. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And remember to subscribe, download and tell your friends and take a moment to leave a review. It'll mean so much to me. And remember, if you have a question you want answered on this podcast, send me a message and I will try as best as I can to get to them in the next few weeks. I'm Dr. Judy and remember, any time is a great time to supercharge your life. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical, psychological, or professional advice. Do not reflect the opinions of this company any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For medical, psychological, or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician, a psychologist, or other trained professional. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.